1: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson as always I am your good friend and host Steve Robertson here on the Monday edition of the yard it's not a real jovial place around here at the Robertson house you know we have uh, dropped three games to LSU and uh, you know ordinarily we break down the weekend and we go in depth and we talk about what happened I don't think you guys want to hear that today and I know that I really don't want to talk about it today I'll be honest with you, losing LSU to me is worse than losing to Ole Miss because I grew up in the 80s, you know, when they were our rival school. And here's the thing, I mean, even in our better years, you know, they have found a way to kind of remind us we're not at their level. And uh, it's bad. It is. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. We have not won a series against the LSU Tigers in our home venue since 2003. You know, we won last year. And, of course, we won the National Championship. And that's really, to be honest with you, last year when we went down to Baton Rouge and we we should have swept, we should have, we take two of three. And that's when we kind of feel like, hey, we've kind of got our hands around some lightning here. Because LSU, like it or not, is the measuring stick for Mississippi State baseball. Wasn't always that way. It wasn't. And as I wrote in Dogpile, that, you know before Skip Berman got there LSU was and you know, also ran in the Southeastern Conference. They had done nothing. and then they come along in the 80s you know of course we, we were really strong in the late 70s and the early 80s and mid 80s and late 80s and then they kind of wrestled control of the Southeastern Conference away from us. So they became what we thought we should be. And it's I'm still better about it to be honest with you and hey congratulations to Skip. Uh, And all those guys down there, you won it. Uh, You and I both know that if if there was rigorous testing back then, you may not have. But the reality of it is they have those NAFL championships, and, you know, I suffer for a little bit of sour grapes when it comes to the Tigers. I, i just be honest with you. I do. I'm very envious of what they have. Now, we have been better in recent years when you look at the totality of a schedule and you look at what State has done in recent years. But when, you know, a good LSU team, not a great team, not an elite team comes in here and sweeps us, it's tough to swallow. It is. Yeah, you know, they don't have elite pitching. This is not an LSU roster that we have seen, you know, historically. There's no Jared Poche, there's no Austin Nola. They don't have that guy. And we did a pretty good job against their starters. I thought Makai did a good job, you know, on Friday. But we did a good job against our starters. Their bullpen was better than ours. And that proved to be the difference in a couple ball games. You know, the Sunday game, I mean, it kind of is what it is. It kind of got away from us. But I don't really care to relive all that stuff. You know, so I'm going to break in format today. And we're not going to go back and recap those three games. We're, we're not going to do it. And maybe it's because I'm bitter. You know, maybe it's because I'm disappointed. Maybe it's because I'm a little jealous. But all the same, I think it's better, let's, it, it, let's take an inventory kind of of where we are. I mean, I'm, I'm frustrated, like all of you, I am. Uh, it doesn't change my loyalty in any stretch of the imagination. I know some people are like, oh, I'm just ready to give up. Then give up. But give up completely. Don't give up and then snipe people on social media. Don't give up and then go litter to message boards with all your negative talk. I mean, if you're going to give up, give up. Give up completely. Oh, it's time to give up on the season. Well, you're welcome to do that. I'm not going to. I still believe that we can scratch and claw and find our way to Hoover and then make a regional somewhere. We're not hosting. I mean, that's we've talked about that for weeks. That's over. The best we can hope for, in my personal opinion right now, unless we catch light and then the bottle down the stretch, is to win enough games to get to Hoover. You know, maybe you will win 12, 13 SEC games. Maybe. Maybe win a game or two in the tournament and find a regional somewhere. Get there as a two or as a three. And it really doesn't matter if you get there as a two or as a three. It's all, just get us there. I think that's probably our, maybe our most realistic and perhaps most optimistic situation right now is that we make a regional. And then you just kind of see what happens from there because you never know. I mean, I I believe we're going to be playing our best baseball at the end of the year. I just hope that it's not too little too late. But like all of you, yeah, I'm disappointed. I mean, I'm very disappointed. But I'm not giving up on the season. I'm not giving up on the team. I'm not giving up on players. I'm not giving up on coaches. I'm not giving up on philosophy. I'm not giving up on our stadium or our tradition or anything like that. I'm true maroon. Know many of you are too. And even though there's at times, at moments of weakness and emotion, sometimes we say and do things maybe we regret. And we're going to talk about some of that later in the show. But uh, we're not going to break down, we're going to talk about where we are, kind of what we've learned here in recent days, what needs to happen, what we need to do, my opinion on what I think we need to do, and then uh, we're going to look at some recruiting stuff, and then we're going to look at some other stuff as it relates to baseball later in the show. I don't know, how, I don't, we may not go as long today. I'm, I'm going to say what I need to say, and then uh, we'll kind of move forward, but um, you know, I've had many people said, hey, Steve, looking forward to the Boneyard. Hear what you got to say. I mean, the reality of it is, is you know, what, what can you say? You know, we just got swept in a home series by a team that, um, you know, we are, we're equally as talented as those guys. And I know it's easy to say, well, you know, Steve, you know, they beat us, they're more talented than us, but, but they're not. And I know that's still a matter of opinion. The reality of it is, is we should have won on Friday. We should have won on Saturday. We shouldn't have won on Sunday. We got our brains beating Sunday. But you should have won the game Friday. You know, it's a 2-1 game. You got bases loaded nobody out, and you get nothing. You get nothing out of it. And then you go into a one-run game in the ninth inning with a guy that's an inexperienced closer. And, I, and I'm not going to sit here and slander Jackson for a stone. The guy's doing the best he possibly can. You know, we're trying to figure this thing out. Sometimes that's uh, you know, sometimes we lose sight of that. You know, it's like everybody else is kinda of having to adjust and you know, to some of the injuries that we've had. Some of them have been season ending, others that have been just kind of a temporary inconvenience of sorts, but you know, Jackson Fristo didn't come here to be a closer. He's trying to do his best to fill that role. And he's one pitch away from closing out. An SEC victory on a Friday night, which would have been huge. And in many ways, I think, changed the complexion of the weekend. And it, we blew it. But it's not, it doesn't boil down. You say, well, you know, Steve, you know, we've got to make one more pitch. You know, I, I go back to all those opportunities. We had all those guys in scoring position. We couldn't get them in. It's a team game. Well, you know, we didn't score enough runs. We didn't prevent enough runs. You know, it all works hand-in-hand. Hand. It's not Jackson Fristos, you know, burden to carry along. Does he bear some responsibility? Absolutely he does, and he'll tell you the same. Had a chance to talk to his dad a little bit after the ball game, Offer a few words of encouragement. You know, Saturday, similar situation. You know, we get down, you know, 3 nothing. We battle back. We give up a solo home run late, and, and again, we have opportunities late in the ballgame and we can't get the big base hit. Now, I know it's obvious to all of you. You know, Tanner Allen is not in the dugout anymore. He's not. So you don't have the Tanner Allen moments anymore. And you got some guys that saw him do that, and there have been a lot of difficulty this year kind of uh, stepping into those roles. And here's the thing, too, that I will say. You know, R.J. Yeager might be our best player. And we got him out of the portal. And there's two. There's two things I'll say about that. Number one, we got to hit the portal hard next year. We do. We got to get old because we're going to lose a lot this year. And the draft is going to be interesting. I think there are some guys that are maybe struggling a little bit with draftitis. It may not go as high as they expect because of how they're playing. But I also think too, it's like you know, hey, you know, we have recruited really well. We have developed some players. And I know that we're kind of at the end of a talent cycle, but goodness, you know, we got six starters back off a team that won the NFL championship. And so it's, you can't just hang it on development because those guys have performed at a high level before. But it's like, hey, why is an outsider our best player? You know, shouldn't we have guys that have been in the system two and three years? Shouldn't they be our best players? And maybe by year end, they will be. You know, but at this point, to be honest with you, there are not a lot of times that I look at the lineup and I say, okay, we're definitely going to score this half inning. I just don't have that level of confidence. I know many of you feel the same way. When RJ comes up, I think something's going to happen. I think moving him to leadoff was probably really very important for us. He's back in the leadoff role, which is where he started the year and really struggled. We drop him down the order all the way down to eight, and now all of a sudden he's rolling. We put him back in first, and he was you know, the best hitter and best player of the weekend for sure. No doubt about it. Luke Hancock's coming around. Yeah, but to be honest with you, unless those two guys are at the plate, I don't have a lot of confidence we get the run home. And they're, you know, they're certainly not, you know, setting the world on fire when it's coming to driving and it runs. But the reality of it is, is there sometimes I'm rooting for the other team to fail. I'm rooting for a wild pitch. I'm rooting for an error. You know, last year I always thought, oh, yeah, we're going to hit these guys. We're going to hit these guys not quite there yet speaking of hits bulldog burger company always a hit they always come through with runners in scoring position go by and check them out today you'll be glad you did great portions at a great price with great service and great locations what else can you ask for a lot of people out there cutting back on their portions but and in some cases even raising their prices so you're paying more for less not the case at bulldog burger company still getting those very generous portions it's one of the best things about it. You get great food, and you get a lot of it. Go check them out today on University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and, of course, Lake Harper Drive in the Ridge and Floyd area. Go by and check them out. You'll be glad you did. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. And maybe get that chocolate shake to go. I like to sit and, and dine on that Shipley's bread pudding when I can, though. I'm kind of a bread pudding connoisseur. I like theirs. It's not really a true bread pudding, I guess you would say, we, you know, with the shipwreached donuts in there, but it is fabulous. So let's not be, you know, stick to the letter of the law too much there. Be sure to enjoy that. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet M E A T. Okay, so here is the Mississippi State baseball program the way that I see it, and uh, that's one thing. Listen, and I love Chris the to death. I think Chris is fabulous. You know, one of the things that I hear, I hear sometimes from Chris that uh, I know he is, you know, paying respect to the opponents. He goes, hey, you know, we saw a really good arm tonight. And, uh, and that's true. And, again, I'm not being critical of Chris. But here is where maybe my perception of things is different. And, you know, he sees these guys every day. I don't, right? You know, so he's got some insider trading that I don't have. But, you know, I remember, you know, times kind of growing up and watching the Bulldogs play, I didn't care who you put out there. We're Mississippi State. We're going to have hitters. We're the kind of guys that drive up your Friday night starters ERA. We're the kind of guys that have you scrambling to get the bullpen going in the third and fourth inning on a Friday night. We're going to wreck your weekend in day one because we're going to force you. We're going to force you to burn through some arms on Friday and Saturday, and by the time you get into Sunday, it's a church league softball game because you got nobody left. You know, that's – the perception of Mississippi State that I've always had, when we are playing well, when we are basically a lineup of trained assassins, we don't care who you throw. And that's one of the things that uh, I guess Chris and I will disagree upon. And listen, again, I know he's being respectful. I'm not in any way throwing shade at Chris, no way whatsoever. But at Mississippi State, we expect to hit your Friday night guy. We haven't been hitting the Friday night guy this year. And it really doesn't matter who it is, you know. And listen, Jonathan Cannon from Georgia is outstanding. He is. That's the guy you're going to have to beat three to two, two to one. You're not going to get a lot of run support for your pitchers. Your pitcher's got to be on his game to beat a guy like that. Yeah, but you trot out these guys from LSU and Alabama, you know, we ought to be able to rock those guys around the yard. Now, listen, we don't have, you know, the clutch gene just yet. You know, that's what's amazing to me. It's like, you know, when it's your turn, it's your turn. And you have come up in this program. If you're Logan Tanner, you're Cameron James, and you're Luke Hancock, you have come up as support players initially, your first year starters in 2020. In the 2021, you're you know part of a great nucleus of players that won the program's first ever National Championship. So you have seen what it's like to see guys come through in big moments. And you yourselves have come through in big moments. But you don't have TA and Rowdy out there to pick you up anymore. So when that TA spot comes up in the ninth inning, you gotta do it. It's not, listen, it's not about getting comfortable anymore. You got to do it. And one of the things that I read from time to time, and again, I'm not being critical of players or anything like that. I'm just going to share. I'm speaking from my heart today and sharing what I see and feel. You know, One of the things, listen, I see so many people say, you know what, they're doing their best. And you know what, maybe that's true. Maybe it is. But what do we do when the requirement exceeds your best? You know, one of the best guys I ever worked for one time, he used that same verbiage on me. He goes, I don't want you to do your best. I want you to do what's required. And wh- what's required here is we got to get in the cage. We got to work through some mechanical things. We got to stop rolling over ground balls to the right side. And I understand there's guys up here to have big league sliders, so they get under barrels and things like that. But we got to figure it out. And those are the things that I guess that kind of pained me a little bit. It's like – beginning of this year did I think we had an Omaha team? Yeah, I did I did had to recalibrate my expectations when we lost Landon Sims because we all knew that the you know the pitching staff wasn't going to have the depth it had a year ago. then you lose Stone Simmons the same weekend. and so now you know we're having to kind of piecemeal this thing together and so and listen, everybody's had injuries. nobody's feeling sorry for Mississippi State. you know Arkansas lost their best guy and look at them even they lost the weekend series. You know, Arkansas is still playing really well. You know, Florida lost most of their rotation. Everybody's feeling sorry for them. You know, Tennessee lost a couple of their guys on the weekend. And they're the number one team in the country. Now, did I expect Mississippi State to repeat this year? No, I didn't. Did I think we had a chance? Yeah, we had a chance because you get to Omaha and you never know how things are going to break down. And then you start thinking, okay, well, okay, we're not going to be a top eight national seed, but maybe we can still host. And now we're at a point now where we're even wondering if we can make Hoover and make a regional somewhere. Okay, So, so, so we're not going to be a top eight. We're not going to host. You're probably not going to be a number two. Right now this season has number three on the West Coast wrapped up all over it, if we're lucky. And I, listen, we're not as bad as we played this weekend. We're not. And, I, and to be honest with you, I thought we had a little give up in us on Sunday, which is disappointing but you know here's the thing and it's it's bigger than a team and it's bigger than a player and it's bigger than a family you know it's bigger than a ticket it's bigger than a you know a left field lounge you know rig or whatever you want to call them out there today it's it's bigger than all of that because all of that works together to comprise one of the richest traditions in college baseball history and so, when you put that M over S cap on out there, there is an expectation of greatness, not of mediocrity, not of your best. You have to rise to the moment. You have to be worthy of the uniform. That's the same M over S. You know, the yard dog Milton wore, and Whoopstick, and Dave Ferries, and Phil Steele, and Will Clark rafael palmero bobby reed mitch Moreland. there is an expectation at mississippi state for greatness and we haven't always lived up to that you know some of that you know was our own fault you know there was a time of course at the in the later of the polk years you know where the recruiting process kind of left us and you know exactly what i'm talking about right i mean We had been the show in Mississippi for the better part of 20 years. And so every kid in Mississippi that really loved baseball, whether they were an Ole Miss fan or not, wanted to come to Mississippi State. They did, given the opportunity. Back in those days, there were some guys that came to Mississippi State because Mississippi State was a better baseball program. Mike Bianco and Dan McDonald, I give Dan a lot of credit for it. Because you can see all misses is not what they once were. And a lot of it, well, what changed? Well, Dan McDonald left, you know, and you see what he's made Louisville. But Dan McDonald came in here and really got after it and really took it to us from a recruiting standpoint. And we got lost in a recruiting wilderness for a little while. Because in the past, you know, guys, you know, they say, hey, they won't make a decision until they see if we offer. We got a little big for our britches. We did. That's the reality of it. I've shared with you guys on the show before. When John Cohen got here, we had zero commitments for the upcoming class. Zero. How does that happen? Well, you had some savvy recruiters on the other side of the rivalry. They're like, hey, Polk is leaving. You have no idea who they're going to get. You know, Maybe they're going to promote Tommy Raffo. I mean, you know, but you're going to come here, and we're going to be this, and we're going to be the dominant program in Mississippi. And you know what? For a window in time there, they kind of were. Then John Cohen gets here. And John Cohen modernizes our approach to recruiting. John Cohen you know, got, kind of got after Larry Tempton a little bit to spend a little money. We had let the old girl duty Noble Field kind of fall into disrepair in, in many respects. So we tried to dress things up a little bit. You know, we improved our drainage system. We put some money in the stadium. We let things get a little antiquated because we got a little big for our britches. And Old Miss flipped the script on us. You know, they built a new stadium and we're like, oh, you know, we like the charm of our own place. Yeah, kind of like those guys that still remember riding their horses down Highway 12 and how quaint and wonderful Starkville was back then. You know, we're a more progressive community now. You know, we're a growing community. You know, we can't have, you know, we, we can't preserve your horse trails at the expense of costing us a cracker barrel, which we did. You know, and so I think about these things, and I think it's important to kind of understand, you know, where we are and where we've come from. You know, we had a very modern approach to recruiting. People forget, you know, how great that class was It took us to Omaha in 13. You know, Hunter Renfro, Adam Frazier, Kendall Graveman. I mean, that was an outstanding group of guys. You know, Chris Stratton was a guy, too. You know, Chris Stratton grew up a Bulldog. Mississippi, they wasn't recruited to Ole Miss Today, John Cohen got here. We go get Chris Stratton. Chris still pitching in the big leagues right now. I remember Chris Stratton going down to LSU on a Sunday and absolutely carving them up, and then two years later he goes out there and uh, gets a standing ovation. We lose the game in ten innings, but he gets a standing ovation from the LSU crowd for how dominant he was. And so, you know, we have come a long way in a short time, but I say that to say this: is there are, we have some players you know today, of course, that have a legacy to last a lifetime. But we're not done writing it. You know, it would be easy to say, it, and I read the stuff, I do, I, I see and I hear it. You know, a lot of times I don't respond to it. Like, oh, we got fat and we got comfortable. I just tell you, that's not my impression. I know that's easy to say, it's low-hanging fruit. That's just not my impression of things. I just think the reality of it is, is that, you know, we had some role players that have just not found any level of comfort in being the leaders of this team. Landon Sims is the heart and soul of this team. Landon Sims did not it anymore. He's still in the dugout. He's still trying to pump guys up. He's still trying to go out there and help the pitchers. He's still very much involved. But you need your bell cow on the field. We don't have it. You know, Preston Johnson, I think, had his best start of the year Friday. Deserved a win. We didn't get enough runs to make that happen. But Presto was outstanding. Parker Stannett was not for the second straight week. Now, again, I know, I know Parker Stannett is, is doing his best. I get it. But Parker Stinnett can't remain on the weekends. He just can't. We can't do it. And uh, Chris had to pull him in the second inning, our first inning this time. He gets, he gets to Arkansas when we get shelled in the second inning. We got so far behind. I mean, it, just, it became an embarrassment. So we make a move. We bring in Brandon Smith, who just on Tuesday told us, I didn't come back to be the midweek pitcher. And, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. When he said that, I thought, you know what, that's going to raise a few eyebrows out here. I don't know how everybody's going to receive that. And maybe Brandon shouldn't have said it personally or, or publicly. But I admire it. You know, it's like, hey, I didn't come back here. Listen, I didn't just come back here to pitch in the midweek. I came back out here to help his team on the weekend. And I thought he was really good Saturday. He gives up one run, we lose four to three. But Brandon Smith went out there and showed that he's capable of getting the SEC hitters out on the weekend. I think you got to put him out there. I think he's got to be the Saturday guy this week. Now, you may make a change next week. It's a short week this week. Obviously, we'll play Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, maybe the next week when you can get guys back on a regular schedule, maybe you do it a little differently. Maybe that's what you do. But I think you got to put Brandon Smith out there. So, all of a sudden, if I begin to think, okay, it's taken us – you know, basically too much into the season, but now due to some injuries and effectiveness, maybe this is our rotation. You're pressing on Friday. Do you slide Kate up to Saturday next week? Not this week, but next week? Is Brandon go to Sunday? But I think at this point we have identified the three guys that can likely help us the most as weekend starters. Now, of course, you lose Brandon, of course, as a reliever. But, you know, here's the deal. If he can get you a quality start and get you six or seven innings deep in a ball game with a lead, you kind of – narrow the gap a little bit because the reason you bring him in in a ball game on, in reliever on the weekends is because you know the, your other guy's ineffective and so maybe brandon can be that guy for us you know we're still rotating with the center field thing and i asked chris about that on sunday and lamona said hey you know i think this is pretty much where we're going to be and, and, and i'll be honest with you I, I think we've got some guys out there that, that struggle to make a contribution and again this is not me being negative you know, there were some COVID evaluations, too. You know, during the junior college signing period, you know, we had to go out and we had basically had to trust the word of other people and video. We didn't get a chance to see guys in camp. We didn't get a chance to go work these guys out or even see them play a ball game. And so, yeah, you probably got some guys that were marginal guys. that They're, again, doing the best they can, but maybe not able to live up to the requirement of what it means to be an everyday player at Mississippi State. And so we're going to have to kind of figure that thing out. You know, Lane Forsythe has been, been really good lately. You know, Tanner Leggett, of course, uh, was primarily your starter. He was starting two of the three games this past weekend. Forsythe did. Now, again, I told you guys about a month ago, I thought Forsythe's at-bat, were we're getting better. And then all of a sudden, we've got a little something to show for it. You know, and again, he's never going to be the home run guy. He is a punch-and-judy guy all the way. And I've read, well, you know, Steve, at least Leggett can run into one every once in a while, and that's true. It's true, and that's why maybe you need them both. But, you know, let's look at these numbers real quick here, just real quickly, just because, you know, we we can take a small sample size that kind of fits our narrative and, and kind of make that a talking point. But, you know, let's kind of look at the totality of things, you know, between these two guys here. I mean, let's just look, you know, what because what happens sometimes is, you know, we get lost in the big picture and don't always look at the little things. And so let's take a quick look here. Let's look and see what, Lane Forsyth has done it. He is currently hitting 224. Tanner Leggett's hitting 212. All right, neither one of them are setting the woods on fire. All right, so against Arkansas last weekend, Lane Forsyth was two for five. He didn't get the hit against UT Martin. He goes two for three on Friday against LSU, then 0 for three on Saturday, and only had the one at bat uh, on Saturday, on Sunday, excuse me. Uh, But, you know, one of the things that I've I've always thought with him is, you know, we've got to cut down on strikeouts. We had done a pretty good job of that until Saturday. You know, he had had what, uh, I guess, one game with strikeouts dating back to Alabama, all the way back to the Alabama series. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One game out of eight where he struck out. Putting the ball in play. I can work with a guy like that. Let's go back and look here at um, what we've seen recently from Tanner Leggett. Um, You know, Tanner, again, is a guy that can run into it, had a couple of hits against UT Martin. You go back to the Arkansas weekend, you know, we're 0 for 2, and um, we we were hit by pitch and the only other at bat on Sunday, didn't play on Saturday. 1 for 5 against Memphis, and then 2 for 3 against UT Martin, and then 0 for 2 against LSU. And so, you know, there's not any separation one way or another, but I think when you begin to look at this, you know, you got to start thinking, okay, what's best for the Bulldog future? And I know we have to win now, but I think that's something that has to enter into the equation, especially now. You know, who's getting me on base? Who's, who's getting productive at bats and moving runners across? That's something we're, you know, we're still kind of thinking. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video Smart Lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security but convenience, no more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. Got that immigrated camera too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. Your keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries. Right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. Got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Ufi video lock that's e-u-f-y official.com forward slash video lock and it's time for you to gain control of your door again that's eufy e-u-f-y
0: you know how to book flights and hotels Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All
1: right, Let's take a quick look at the the SEC standings here. As bad as they are. The good thing is, is they're subject to change. SEC East Tennessee continues to run away with all this. Now 12-0 in the conference, four sweeps, 31-1 overall. 23-0 23 and 0 at home, 6 0 on the road. They lose one game on a neutral field. That's it. We hadn't seen anybody like this in a while. Go back to Oregon State a few years ago. That's probably the last one I remember that had this, this embarrassingly gaudy record. Georgia hanging in there too. You know, eight and four, 24 and eight overall. Vandy loses another series to Auburn. They're now five and seven. That's one of the things you start looking at in the in the East. Because Tennessee is going to beat everybody up, but in the East, only two teams with a winning record in conference. That's probably a good thing for us. Vanderbilt now 22 and nine. Florida, big series win for them this weekend. They're still five and seven. They take two or three from Arkansas, 21 and 11. Kentucky four and eight in the league, and 19 and 13 overall. South Carolina four and eight. Again, the lone team in the SEC with a losing record at 15 and 16. Missouri 3-9, 18-11-0 at all. So, we talk about getting to Hoover. We just need to be better than those two teams at a minimum. And I think we will be. I think the records will kind of bear that out. Uh, South Carolina is still a bit of an anomaly. We need those guys to win a game or two this weekend when they host Ole Miss. Uh, SEC West, Arkansas 8-4. and four. Of course, they um, look to be kind of like the, the second best team, and maybe they are, but they lose that – Series to Florida after absolutely destroying them on Thursday, you thought they'd run right through it. I did at least win the series, and they don't. And so good for selling and those guys to, to kind of bounce back. They were three and seven, then they win the last two. LSU now seven and five, one game out of first in the West. Again, I don't think this is an elite LSU team, but I do think there is some length in that lineup. And I thought McManus absolutely killed us. Uh, Twenty-three and nine for them overall. Auburn. They take two of three from Vanderbilt. They'll be your, uh, your guests this weekend for Super Bulldog weekend. Seven and five in the league and 22 and 10 overall. Five and two on the road. They're not going to be scared to come in here and pitch. Alabama seven and five. They, they sweep the series against Ole Miss. 21 and 12. A&M now six and six, 19 and 12. Ole Miss four and eight, 19 and 12. Tied with Mississippi State dead last in the sec west yeah and again people said well you know alabama and auburn what a difference a weekend makes right and that's kind of where we are now we need a good weekend this weekend all of a sudden we go out there and win this series against auburn we're right back in the thick of things in the middle of the sec west not that i expect to win it by any stretch we just got to go win some ball games and one of the most frustrating things about all this and i know i speak for all mississippi state fans when i say this is like i can't even enjoy Ole miss's struggles because we're struggling too you know, it'd be just be disingenuous i mean it's like yeah am i happy they got swept yeah it'd been more fun if we had won the series against lsu then we could talk a little trash but uh we got bigger problems of our own it's gonna be an interesting series here in a couple weekends we go up there i think we can do it i, I do i think we can do it and you say well steve how can you sit out with any confidence Ole miss like we have better pitching than Ole miss does you can say, Steve, how is that possible? Have you watched Ole Miss play? I don't think you have. Now, we've got to go out there and get some time we base hits, and we'll preview that series when it comes time to come. But uh, the reality of it is, is uh, we got work to do, man. 18 and 15, be back on the diamond Tuesday night against UAB. We've got to figure some things out. There's no doubt about it. And the uh, last thing I'm going to say about this before I kind of move forward into the top ten list. When I look at Cade Smith and Hunter Hines and Slade Alford and those guys, it gives me some hope for the future and not necessarily next year. But one of the things that I identify with all three of those guys is they're tough. Yeah, there are some people out there that that play tough. It's a tough play, made a tough play. or They showed a little toughness there. Okay, I, I don't want any of those players ever In any sport, but certainly baseball. I don't want a guy that shows a little toughness every now and then. No, I don't want that guy. Y'all can have him. He can go to Ole Miss, and go to Southern Miss, wherever. I want guys that are tough all the time. Because when you're tough, it's not something that comes and goes. Hunter Hines has really struggled as of late. You know, he rolls the ball to the right side yesterday. What does he do? He runs down there as fast as he can. He's not a speed merchant by any stretch. And he lays out head first, trying to get the bag. Guy's still playing hard. He's tough. And we don't even, I don't think we've even scratched the surface on how tough the kid is. You know, Cade Smith is tough. Cade's out there pitching with a black eye yesterday. A kid loves Mississippi State. He understands what it means to have that M over S over your heart. A kid's tough. And so, in order for Mississippi State to get to where we want to go and to consistently be in contention for a top eight national seed, we got to have tough players not just guys that exhibit toughness we got to be tough all the time tanner allen is one of the toughest guys to ever wear a uniform ever and i don't just mean from a physical standpoint i mean mentally tough you know i'll share with you guys this quick story we'll move on you know my kid ani uh he's not a kid anymore ran a marathon this past weekend really proud of him I remember when we were playing at Drillers Diamonds out in Baton Rouge. Before it became Cypress Mound, you know, it became a cow. Cal- everybody moved to the Cal Ribkin Park out there in Gardere, which is an incredible facility. So grateful that my son got to play there. But before that, we all played out at Drillers Diamonds. Facilities weren't great, baseball was. And we're playing a team called the Yankees. We got the bases loaded. It's a tie game with two outs in the final inning. And Ani comes up to play. And I'm and this is a kid that was our better hitter. Let us – just about every year of his life, except maybe his freshman and sophomore year of high school, he led his team in hitting. And so here we are as little kids, kids pitch, you know. And, and uh, lo and behold, the very first pitch to Ani, because other kids knew he could hit too. The very first pitch – it's a wild pitch, the winning run comes in and scores from third. Just so happened it was a kid's birthday too. So he got to score the winning run against the Yankees on his birthday. And so I was so excited for the win, excited for the kids. And we get in the car and he's like, Daddy, I'm so glad he threw a wild pitch. I was like, why? He said, because we won. I said, "Why well, I had every ounce of confidence that you were going to get up there and get a base hit and we are going to win the game anyway. He goes, I don't know, Daddy, I was really nervous. Well, he'd never been in that situation before. Well, then, as he developed, of course, like the next year when those same situations come up, you know, he gets a base hit. I remember he played one time as this travel team for the heaters. And he was hit, I don't know, about 650. You know, and like there's all these kids, you know, that you know, play travel team baseball their whole lives, and he's out there outperforming them. And he always hit, you know. He always, just always put the ball in play. It came up one time, situation, we got a chance to get a big hit, and everybody's clapping, the rhythmic applause because our fans, like, you know, we got our guy up here against your guy's going to get a hit. Similar situation unfolds. You know, we ended up scoring. I, I want to say when we reached on an error there, at least we put the ball in play. But then the next time those situations came up, like when he got into high school, he wanted to be the guy. He, he, he wasn't that guy hoping for a wild pitch when he got in high school. And I say that because there is a developmental aspect of this when it comes to mental toughness. You know, a lot of people are just born you know, with determination. Most of us have to kind of develop and say, well, you know, you've kind of born that way. No, no, no. When it comes to baseball, every time you encounter those situations, you begin to intuitively know how to handle them. Your heart rate slows down. And that's what we had in TA. You go back and look at TA early in his career. He didn't come through in those situations. And T.A. struck out a lot, especially lefty on lefty early in his career. We forget that, kind of like, you know, we forget that Dak was so erratic as a passer, you know, his first couple of seasons here. But, you know, you have this revisionist history. But, you know, we've got some guys like Hunter Hines, you know, had the big home run against Alabama. We got big moments coming with him. We got big moments. Slate Offered hit his first home run in the Bulldog uniform on, Friday, on Sunday. We got big moments coming with him, and we need to have that guy in the lineup. We got we got to get as offensive as we can, and if that means we got to move, you know, move some people around, do we do we move RJ to short? Do we move Cam to short to get Slade Offered in the lineup? Maybe we do. Do we let Slade Offered be the DH when they throw a right hander or left hander? Excuse me. Maybe we do. We got to find a way to get our best sticks in the lineup. We we're kind of beyond that point now where we can play regular baseball. I mean, look at LSU. They're trading defense for offense, and they just swept a series from us. you know. And so, you know, there's always a learning process. But the thing that I will say is we have a young nucleus of players that I think are very, very tough. And I just want to share this with you, too. And I think it's important to understand this. is At Mississippi State, you've got to be tough. And you can say, well, Steve, we have all these resources and it's a great ballpark, and that's true, too. And that's another reason why you have to be that much tougher. Because you're going to go out there, and when you – Strike out with the bases loaded. You're going to do it in front of 11,000 people. You don't have to be nearly as tough to go to Southern Miss. And that's not in any way to throw shade at the USM baseball program. Hey, they can claim a state championship this year. Coach Berry's done a great job down there. But there's a different level of expectation here. So if you're not tough enough to wear the M over S, it's better to make that decision during the recruiting process. Everybody comes here thinking you're going to be Tanner Allen, and you're not. You're not you might be lucky to be Tanner Leggett. You're not going to be Tanner Allen. you got to go be the best person you can be. And that's not, again, thorny shade at Tanner Leggett. I mean, that guy's served well for us, got the biggest hit, probably Mississippi State baseball history. But my point being is that, you know, you better come in here ready to work with some mental toughness about yourself because everybody is going to be gunning for you. And when you don't come through, sometimes you got to put up with a little bit of nonsense, even from some of your own fans, unfortunately. We're going to discuss that a little bit later in the show. Let's get into today's top 10 list, brought to you by ClothesWithBlair.com. It is C-L-O-S-E with Blair.com. Not clothes is in clothing. Clothes is in closing your loan. Close with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Here's the thing, too. Blair's been my friend a long time. And uh, Blair is a mortgage professional. A lot of people out there that are loan officers Blair's a mortgage professional, and there is a difference, okay? There's a lot of people out there just kind of finding their way in the world, and listen, they're going to make some mistakes. And when you're working on something as important as this, you need to deal with a professional. This is your home you're talking about, right? Blair's been in the business 21 years. He's not a greenhorn. He's seen it all, done it all done atypical properties, done atypical borrowers. Maybe your situation is very unique. I can promise you he has a plan to help get your loan closed. So whether you're looking to refinance today, looking to buy a home for the first time, or perhaps maybe looking to do a a second mortgage, Blair can help you with every bit of that. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, he's going to give you a little bit of a discount, right? All you got to do is mention to Blair that you heard about him on this show. Just say, hey, Blair, whether you text him or call him, or email him or see him in the street and say, hey, I want to do business with you, and I heard about you on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. $500 value if they're not getting any cheaper. Here's Blair's personal cell number. It's 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. That's closedwithblair.com for all your mortgage questions and needs. So I had a lot of suggestions over the weekend. A lot of people kind of commiserating I, I guess you know we were going to do like a hank williams there's a tear in my beard and i'm crying for you dear list no that's not me that's not me i'm never the, really the, I mean, there are times i may feel sorry for myself but um i don't uh i don't get down any dumps about this stuff for very long i'm still an optimistic person by nature i'm not a sunshine pumper by any stretch of the imagination you, there are many people that think they know me because of some internet persona you're wrong there's probably nobody around that expects more from Mississippi State baseball than me that's not affiliated directly with the program. You know, and so when we don't fulfill those expectations, man, it, it's crushing. It is. So I decided to kind of flip the script. Rather than come up with uh, you know, a, a, hey, everybody feel sorry for us top ten, I thought let's, let's give some songs of inspiration here. And I said I'm going to do modern rock songs of inspiration. How about that? kind of in-your-face songs, because I'm not a quitter. I'm not that kind of person. Like when when things, when the world kind of comes against me, that's usually when I'm at my strongest. Rather than say, oh my gosh, look at me, I'm you know, let me just find a way to kind of fade back into the reeds a little bit. I'm out there and saying, you know what, come get it. Come and get it. You know where I'll be if you want to come get it. All right, so here are the uh, top 10 songs of really motivation. Top 10, modern rock songs of motivation. Some of these not quite as modern as others, but I thought maybe this will help us a little bit. All right, number 10, our, our boy Mike Shinoda had a little bit of a side project, a group called Fort Minor, and had a great song that opens up with this really cool little key sequence. It's Remember the Name. Love that song. You probably heard it. They used to play it at Davis Wade Stadium. I, I dig the song. I still listen to it sometimes. I think it's outstanding. Number nine, Saw these guys live down in New Orleans a couple times. Uh, it's the Sick Puppies, and the song is You're Going Down. And it's not I'm going down. You know, as a matter of fact, that's the last chorus. It goes, because cause I was never the one going down. You know, It's like, hey, we're, you know, we're getting ready to get together. We're going to have this war, and you're the one that's going down. I love the bass line to that one, too. Number eight, a song that's uh, kind of personal to me, I man. I love this one. I, I've actually had people send me this song and say, Steve, is, you know, this, this reminds me of you. You know, and uh I, I was already very familiar with the song. But uh it's from a band called Ashes to New. And the name of the song is My Name, and it is kind of new metalish, you know, it's kinda got some rap parts over it and stuff, but it's very much a rocking song. I really dig Ashes to New. If you're unfamiliar with them, I think this is a good song for you. I think you'll like it it's a lot. But basically, you know, it's about I'm just never going to quit. I'm never going to stop. That's not how I'm built. And um, got to make the world know my name. That's it. Ashes to new, a great band. My name is uh, probably my favorite song from them. Number seven. So when I was in Omaha, every game we won in Omaha, I was listening to the Oleander End or Something Beautiful album every single time. And it's like I finally kind of picked up on. It. I said, you know what? I'm gonna just ride the karma here. So every time we won in Omaha, this was my soundtrack to the stadium. And I, you know, it took me a while to kind of figure it out. So it's my fault that we didn't sweep Omaha. But the the lead track on this album, and I love that whole album, is a song called Fight. And it is absolutely rocking. I think you'll dig it. The guy can really sing too. Number six we did a top 10 for them a while back and this comes from uh you know an album they did basically kind of a, in tribute to some of their influences it's a song called this means war from event sevenfold this means war another one it's in your face number five i remember listening to this way back in 15 i remember on the way back from the belk ball i mean that, all this craziness was going on there was all the old miss stuff and the free stuff and all these people were telling me i was wrong and and uh, I just, yeah you know, I had heard this song so many times, but it just kind of struck a chord with me on my way back from Charlotte. I uh, listened to it on a re- repeat for probably 100 miles or more. But um, it is a song called I Am the Fire, and I think it's actually Lizzie Hale's best vocal performance. I know many of you are kind of new fans of Hellstorm because of this show, which makes me really, really happy. Uh, I've met Lizzie Hale, and she is absolutely outstanding. But it's I Am the Fire from Hellstorm. I think you'll really dig that one. Number four. This band actually owns a spot in our top 10. And I can't say I expected that. I don't know what happened. I don't know maybe if you guys just heard the list and you loved it. Roy still marvels at this. I had breakfast at Roy on Saturday. We commiserated about the Friday Night ball game, But it's Bullet from My Valentine. And the song is, you want to battle, here's a war. I know when it's in your face, it's like, you know what, you want to come after me? You think you know what's, what? What it's what you've got? When you've got me across the line from you, you're wrong. I absolutely love Bullet from my Valentine. I love this song. I think you guys will dig it too. Robbie Falk and I spoke about Bullet. said when he was in college, that was kind of his favorite band. He's And he believes that Hearts Burst into Fire is their best song. And Robbie is a little more delicate than me, and he's wrong. That is a great song, but it's not their best song. It is his favorite song, but I, I like the kind of the heavier stuff. But uh, number three – Going across the pond a little bit here in our our final three, two of these acts are from England. Number three, and uh, this is a song that I drew a great deal of inspiration from uh, over the course of the last couple of years. It's from a band called The Struts, and uh, they are absolutely, magnificently fabulous. It's a song called It Could Have Been Me. It's like I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, you know what, I wish I would have taken more chances, or I wish I would have done this or would have done that. This could have been me, but it strikes. And it's words for living, man. That's the thing, too. Like, you listen to that. It's like, I want to know the whole experience. You know, and that's one of the things that I would say, like, when I first got sober, I just wanted to be that regular guy. You know what I mean? I just wanted to go to work every day and not cause any trouble and not drink or not do drugs. And just, I just wanted to have a regular life. And then eventually I realized, you know, what I wanted more from life than just to work and pay bills. And so... I began to kind of seek those opportunities, try to find something to do that that was really stimulating and interesting. And um, I didn't want to look back. I used to always, one of my biggest fears is I said, I'm going to be on my deathbed. I'm going to regret the fact that I never wrote a book. And I said, that's going to be the most miserable moment of my life is the recollection of knowing that that's never going to happen. Laying there with my family all around me saying, you know what? I should have written a book. I had all this talent and skill. I never utilized it. And so it was something that haunted me for years. And then even when I was writing Flim Flam, it scared me to death because my life was changing. You know, because here's what I will share with you, whether it be about sobriety or relationships or professional stuff. Your new life will cost you your old life. And so you've got to be prepared for that. Good, bad or indifferent. Your new life costs you your old life. And there are a lot of people that are like, even though they're miserable in their current life, it's like, you know what? At least I know what I have. I may never have any greatness, but I've got some goodness and I'm okay with that. I don't have to have that. And you know what? If that's how you want to live your life, that's perfectly fine. I just wanted more for myself. And I still do. I'm not done dreaming. And the way that I look at it too, I think that's when you start dying. And whenever I do die, whether it be tomorrow or 10 years from now, it's been a great ride. I'm very, very grateful. Incredibly grateful. And so when I hear this song, that's kind of what I think about. Is like, even though I've done some really cool things in my life, I'm going to keep striving. I'm going to keep pushing to do something even greater. Number two, and uh, this is one of those songs too. Actually, Eric Bass from Shinedown wrote this song when uh, he was actually mired in this huge depression. And it is an incredible song. And uh, it comes off the Attention, Attention album, Down with a new album coming out now. Really excited about that. I've already released a couple tracks off that album. If you're unfamiliar, maybe you should check those out. But uh, a song that I used to listen to off the Attention, Attention album regularly, there are some great ones on there. I think it's the best album since uh, Sound of Madness is the song Get Up. And that's what it's about. It's like, let's get a move on. It's not as rocking as some of the other stuff on the the album, but uh, it's basically a song about mental health and about awareness. It's like, you know, all these other things have happened, and we can kind of wallow in the mire or we can get up and get moving. And that's kind of where I am. Uh, and number one, again, a very, very personal song to me. It's amazing how so many of these songs were not just, like, favorite songs, these are songs that actually have some significance to me. Um, so this is probably the first time I've mentioned this band on the show. But this is one of my favorite songs, and I think in many ways it kind of illustrates the journey that I've been on, you know, through through recovery and everything else. It's by a band out of uh, out of England, I think they're actually – defunct now but it's a band called heaven's basement and the song is nothing left to lose and there are times in my life like even when i'm happy or i'm sadder sometimes that i'll hear this song and it'll just come up on the playlist and it'll catch me right at the right time and I, all of a sudden I'll, i can just feel tears going down my face because i'm just so incredibly grateful because uh, i know exactly what it's like to have nothing left to lose nothing, i had, when i when i got clean and sober i had nothing absolutely nothing and uh, I think there are other people out there that um, you know, maybe they had a little more privilege than me, you know, and that's a that's a dirty term these days. You know, oh you've got privilege. You know, listen, I'm still trying to find it, okay? But the reality of it is at I'm so grateful for all of that. It's like even though when I started over, I had nothing. I had I had to borrow money from my mom to go buy clothes. I had nothing. But I wear that like a badge of honor today. And so I'm so grateful to think about you know the journey that that I have been able to take in life. That uh, I remember, you know, going to Sack and Save because uh, they did double coupons, and I would buy a pound of bacon and a loaf of bread and a tomato, and I'd have bacon tomato sandwiches, you know, two and three days in a row. And I would bring that coupon back just so I could afford to eat again. And and this is when I was completely sober and working every day and just trying to make a living. This wasn't when I was out there as an addict and you know spending everything I had trying to find, uh, you know, the next high or anything. This was I was just and it, and it was very frustrating. It was, but it was an honest living. I did what I had to do. And so when I hear this song, I'm reminded of all of that because I know how it feels to have nothing left to lose. And so I share that with you uh, because I think these are again songs of inspiration. And uh, I I will fight to the final breath, you know, I guess until I get to the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm just just ready to go. And as I shared with you earlier, whenever it happens, I will be ready to go. Uh, I want to make sure that my kids are taken care of. But uh, fortunately, I'm at a point now where my kids are, you know, two of my kids are almost off the payroll. And so I've got another one that will be sooner rather than later. But, um, you know, when you get a little bit older in life, you begin to think about those things and think about your own mortality. And so I just hope that I leave a uh, lasting legacy that makes them all very, very proud. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. You know those fine folks, right? Standing man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Be sure and go check them out. When you're in town, just on the backside of campus, they're very easy to get to. You can swing by there on your way to the ballgame. Very easy to get to. You turn off of uh, 182 there by the Mississippi Highway Patrol substation there. Take that, that turn, and uh, next thing you know, Campus Bookmart is there on your way to campus. Be sure and go check them out in person. If you can't, visit them on the World Wide Web at CampusBookmart.net. They've got the latest in Mississippi State merch right there for you, updating the website regularly. You should follow them on social media so you can kind of keep abreast of all the new arrivals. While you're there at CampusBookmart.net, you can use BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Roberts, and that's your promo code to get free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Campus Bookmart, a great place to do business, a great place to work. And that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, some places in town you go, it's kind of a revolving door when it comes to staff. Not really there. It's a very very family-friendly atmosphere. Many of those people have been there for years upon years, and they're Mississippi State people. So they know exactly what you're looking for and what you're looking to purchase for your family. Buy yourself something and maybe buy something else for uh, you know somebody else in your family. I recently bought a gift for Mike Nemeth, not from Campus Bookmark, but I recently just kind of bought a gift because Mike is my friend, and I wanted to have a little fun at his expense, but also to kind of give him something cool. And um, so I did, and uh, I, I enjoy the joy of giving, and you will too. Maybe surprise somebody in your family today by going to campusbookmark.net and ordering them some Mississippi State merchandise. We don't do that stuff enough. We really don't all right let's talk a little recruiting there was some recruiting news over the weekend Uh, paul jones had write-ups on uh, both of these things let's start with football uh we had a new addition to the 2022 class and i'm gonna do the best i can here i think it's george 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 uh, george I, i knew i was gonna mess it up geropolis maybe Gerard. anyway george We'll call him George. Like people on the message board said, I'm going to call him G. Uh, number 88, a punter, 6'2", 225 pounds, a native of Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, an outstanding punter at UMass. And Mississippi State certainly needed to upgrade their specialist, and we have with George. So looking at some numbers here, it's uh, it's pretty remarkable. Single game, the longest punt, 73 yards against Liberty. That's incredible, 73-yard punt, Uh, 79 punts attempt in a single season in 2019. That's not necessarily a great team statistic, but it goes to show you that uh, he is a guy that does have some consistency. That year, he punted for 3,116 yards. Average punt attempt, every yards per punt, 41.86, and that was in 2020. So as a career, he's averaging uh, right at 40 yards a punt. And how many times last year did we need to flip the field? We were unable to do it. Happened pretty regularly, uh, but yeah, again, a guy too that's uh, it's it's had a good career, and now he's a bulldog, and uh, he'll be joining the program here at the end of the semester. And uh, be competing and doing a good job for us there. So uh, George Geropoulos and George, correct me if I'm wrong, or Gerop- Geropoulos, I don't know. And and, and that's one of those things, too, you think about in life. The least you can do is get somebody's name right. There's not a pronunciation guide here, so I'm doing the best I can with my South Mississippi education. Uh, We still have a couple spots left to work with. Paul and I are kind of working that, but uh, here's the deal with that. A lot of people are going to wait until these post-spring transfers enter the portal. There are a few guys that are evaluating. There's nobody right now you look at and say, yeah, that guy's definitely going to be a part of the program. Three spots still available. Still would like to take an offensive tackle, especially now that we've kind of identified that Stephen Lasoya is probably going to be a guard. So he's not really competing at right tackle much. Albert Reese looks to be the guy there. You'd like to get a third tackle. You'd like to have some depth and some competition at the positions. It's a big part of our offense. We'd like to get another safety. At least a two-deeper. You know, you got to go out and get a guy that can be in the rotation. And that was probably State's biggest position of need when you look at the portal. And you got Jackie Matthews coming in, doing a good job. People are excited about him, but we need another one. And then there's probably a best available spot. Is that a receiver? Maybe. Is it an offensive lineman? Probably not. If you could find an edge, rusher late, you take him. But I think it it pays to have a little flexibility late in the portal. But you got to go out and get a guy that makes you a better football team. And so while you have some needs, you know you don't have to have an offensive lineman, but I think with Lasoya going to guard, you probably need to get another tackle. But you have to have a safety. You absolutely have to have a safety, and then of course the best available. You know we'll see what that turns out to be. But again, I like the fact that we have some some spots to work with. You know a lot of people get so fired up and excited about the portal. And they get all down in the mouth that we have guys leave. But uh, it also opens up some spots for us to add players that make us a better team, you know, this year. So that's kind of where we are with that. Again, still some room to work with. And, you know, this time last year, we were trying to find a couple corners and didn't get any. Ended up putting a couple of guys that were expected to be gray shirts on full scholarship. And then we're still kind of waiting to see what happens, of course, with, uh, you know, Dakota Jordan. But uh, the latest information we have on him is that uh, Dakota is not expected to get drafted high enough in the Major League Baseball draft to prevent him from coming to school. So we'll see how things progress there. But, uh, again, a a good addition to go get that. So you've added a kicker in Massimo Biscardi, and then you go get George. And so, you know, the pronunciation guide at Mississippi State is going to be rather lengthy this year. But you have upgraded your field goal kicker and your punting situation. And both of those were Burrs in the Bulldog saddle last year. I think we can all agree those are things we absolutely had to take care of, and we have. Uh, so, here we are. Just need to finish now with the portal. And uh, I'm, I'm not down on Mississippi State football like some of our fans are. And I don't fully understand uh, why there is so much negativity. It's like, oh, we're going to do this. We're not, we're not going to do that. I think we're going to be a, big, a good football team. I, I think we'll probably win eight games in the regular season. Uh, I think that's probably the over-under right there. I think the ceiling could be nine. We'll probably have to upset somebody. But I think the floor is seven and five. And you say, well, Steve, we go seven and five again, lose to Ole Miss. Do we make a coaching change? And I'd say absolutely not. Mike Leach is going to get a fourth year regardless. But certainly if, you know, you get back to a bowl game and you're kind of trending in the right direction, you certainly would, uh, you know, kind of hang with where we are. But, uh, you know, I haven't done the research on this, but I thought about this a couple days ago, a conversation with a friend of mine. You know, how many years have we had three wins against the the final top 25 in the AP? Not very many. You know, some years we kind of benefit when the SEC West is down a little bit. We may play a team that's ranked high early and then they end up out of the poll. But uh, they have three wins last year against teams that finished in the top 25, and that's, that's kind of rarefied air for us, even though the season didn't end the way we wanted it to. But I do like the steps that we're taking. You know, Justin Robinson has looked good in practice. I mentioned that to you guys. Jordan Mosley has. So I feel like the receiver, we're going to be able to pitch and catch it pretty well. It's all going to boil down to protection. I like the running backs like our quarterback situation, uh, and it's still a Rodgers team. Sawyer Robertson has had a very good camp, didn't have a great scrimmage on Saturday from what Dave Murray tells me. Uh, I was getting ready to cover baseball after a book signing, but um, hopefully we'll be able to get out there this weekend. Uh, excited to be a part of that. But, uh, I, again, I am not down on Mississippi State uh, football. I think we're going to have a good year, and I think that you know the quality of our year – might be dependent on what we do with these final few spots in the portal. I think that could maybe be the difference in, in winning the game or so. On the basketball side of things, and again, Paul Jones kind of all over this stuff too. This is where I think Paul is at his best, especially as of late with the uh, you know, the portal. You know, this is where you need sources. You know, it's one of the things, well, we identify these high school football prospects and you kind of work through the process and get to know the kids and their coaches. But this portal stuff is a little more difficult to deal with. Mississippi State adds the guard, Deshaun Davis from Oregon State, and uh, a true point guard in many respects. And it's been a while since we've had a true point guard. You can say, well, Lamar Peters. Yeah, Lamar was great, but uh, I don't know that he was necessarily a great facilitator like maybe you know we, we would need for him to be. He was an elite scorer at times. But um, Deshaun Davis comes in, uh, a native of the Bronx, played at the um, – Let's see here at our Savior Lutheran High School there in Bronx, New York, 6'285 pound pounds guard. Played two seasons at Trinity Valley Community College. He was ranked as the number seven Juco prospect in the country by 247 Sports and a first-team All-American after his second year there at Trinity Valley. That year, he averaged 17.1 points, six and a half rebounds, 9.6 assists, and 2.8 steals. Guy's averaging nearly a double-double. Is a point guard. And, yes, I understand that it's junior college, but uh, this is a guy, obviously, that is uh, good to go. Averaged 21.3 points as a freshman. Scored 41 points one game against Toller junior college. Um, But, yeah, a guy that's uh, obviously uh, had a very accomplished career above the high school level. Now, let's look at what he did at Oregon State. Played in 27 games. Averaged 11.1 points, 47% from the field just 19.1 percent from the three-point shooting it's like well steve i thought ben Hallen was gone you know I don't, I don't think you need this guy to be a, a prolific three-point shooter in this scheme i think it's about facilitating and i'm going to trust chris jans what he wants to do that guy knows who fits his system and to go get a guy like this that i you know coming from the bronx probably has a little bit of toughness in him but uh 65 from the free throw line that's got to get better And uh, just over three boards a game and just under six assists per game, but uh, he will be more of a facilitator than a scorer for us. Um, You know, looking at some of his minutes here, had a couple of really big games this year. uh, In a loss to Princeton, he has 16 points there. Uh, Looks to be second highest scoring total of not third. I get some bigger games than that. Looking and when he gets in the conference play, really kind of elevated his game a little bit here. Uh, 17 points against Washington. 22 points against Colorado, 31 in a loss to USC. That's the high mark right there. But uh, this is a guy that consistently scored in double digits uh, in conference play out on the West Coast. And so it's not like, you know, we're getting a guy from a mid-major. We're getting a guy that played Arizona and California and even played against Texas A&M this year, SC at UCLA. Uh, So, yeah, a guy that has played at a high level of competition – is now headed to Starville. And again, there's still some room to work there too. And if you want your updates on that, this is where being a, a subscriber to Gene's page makes a lot of difference. Paul providing these basketball recruiting updates in addition to our football stuff. And so you see stuff on Twitter, but you don't really know how advanced the relationship is. Oh, well, this guy's got an offer. Well, is he even seriously considering us? Well, that's where Paul comes in. You go and read uh, you know, the biscuits and that sort of stuff. And we have these updates and He'll reach out to players and, and kind of get their feedback on you know how receptive they are uh, to what Mississippi State uh, has been able to discuss with them. And so uh, I think that is an important aspect of things, too, is just kind of understanding Chris Jans has got to go out and recruit some guys this year that make you better on the floor this year. That's where I think that his junior college background is very helpful because, again, you're constantly in a state of recruiting and this is a guy that understands how to use the portal, look at the team that he put on the floor at New Mexico State. And, and listen, nothing against those guys out there in New Mexico. But there are not a lot of people that wake up and say, you know what, I, I think I want to go to Las Cruces, which is not how it works. And you get a chance to go play. You're going to play in the SEC, and you're going to get a chance to play against Kentucky and against Florida, against Georgia. You're going to get a chance to play in, in full arenas and things like that. And so the drawing card for Chris Jans. I think it's much greater than what he had at New Mexico State. And then he put a much better team on the floor last year than we did. And so with what he has to recruit to, considering the renovations at the hump, considering the money that we're paying him, you know, I think this is a guy too that is going to put a good product on the floor immediately. You've got some good pieces that are coming back. I don't at this point expect Molinar to come back. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But I have a lot of trust in Chris Jans. And just, you know, the vibe that Chris has given off and him going down to the union and meeting with students and that sort of stuff, that's very important. It is. And I don't think it's contrived in any respect. I think Chris understands that he needs the students to really set the tone in the arena, and you guys need to be there too. We need to make sure we turn out and give Chris every opportunity. And I have no doubt that he is going to work wonders in this portal. And there may not be guys out there you say, well, hey, I've never, I'm not really familiar with this guy. He is going to get guys that fit his scheme and his system, and they're going to go to work. And I think he's going to build a basketball program that you all can be very, very proud of. Of course, they're uh, you know, rounding out the staff and that sort of stuff, and we've heard a lot about in recent days about you know, now that Sam Purcell's season is over. You know, He's another guy, too, that's uh, you know, kind of getting his staff you know, put together. Those are things that kind of get you excited about you know he goes out and, and, and adds. Uh, you know mariel Page comes in, uh, Corey Irvin comes in, and now you know you, you begin to say, "Well, Steve, I don't know these names." You know Corey Irvin. Let's run down her bio here pretty quick here. Um, you know, just one of these, uh, you know, one of these coaches too, has kind of been around. You know, and, here, and here was her comment too. You know, she is uh, an assistant coach at University of Illinois. I'm grateful for the opportunity to join Sam Purcell and the amazing staff he is assembling to lead Mississippi State. Sam is one of the best young coaches in college basketball. And the vision he has to lead Mississippi State to new heights is something I believe in and I'm honored to be a part of. I look forward to being able to help our student athletes grow both on and off the basketball court. And my family are excited to move to Starville and be part of a community that loves and supports women's basketball health state. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. And again, again, coming from the Power Five. You know, it's not like we went out and just got somebody, you know, from just down the road, you know, somebody that knows what it takes. And then you go get Jimmy Yu to be your director of basketball operations. Spent the last four years at the University of Virginia. You know, Virginia's been very, very good. Very, very good. Then we've had Joy Williams as our assistant AD for women's basketball. You know, and then Sam says, Joy is a huge addition to my staff. Joy checks every box I'm looking for when it comes to putting together the best staff in the country. She has experience as a head coach at the highest level and has spent time in the WNBA and with USA Basketball. She is a big addition to our program and someone that will be in the office daily in a non-coaching role for our student athletes. She'll be a major resource because of the experience she brings. But most importantly, Joy is a winner. She's a great person. She will positively impact our program every day and uh, she comes to us from Clemson and again yeah again you start looking you got some people with very very solid basketball pedigree Gabe Lazo you know Gabe's another guy supposed to be a guy that really understands X's and O's here you know this is a guy that you know he, he has a lot of experience too And uh, so, you know, you can run these numbers down. You can read his bios yourself. But it's like when I I began to think, okay, it didn't take him long. And you know that he was already working towards this. You know, but I think, you know, Good Muriel Page is big too. You know, that's somebody else too that um, is one of us. You know, she is from Mississippi. And, uh, you know, really the final piece, as he calls it, you know, she is somebody that's played in the NBA, was an All-American in the SEC. So so she understands the number one Mississippi. She is a Bay Springs native spent 11 years in the WNBA so she understands where we are and where we're from and then she understands where our student athletes are trying to get Um, and so pretty impressive staff I got to say you know we don't we hadn't seen them play a game yet but on paper pretty promising but again I like the resumes you know it's like you, you don't stay in in sports for a long time unless you win and so all of a sudden, you know, we're going out and getting people from Virginia. We're getting people from Illinois. We're getting people from Clemson. You know, you're getting these people that are from programs that are, know what it takes to compete at a high level. And so very impressed with Sam Purcell and very impressed with what he's been able to do, you know, in a short time. I did notice yesterday, too, uh, you know, we had the recruiting picture out there. They were doing the in-home visit, and uh, not enough maroon in those pictures. So, Sam, if you're listening, let's make sure we get some official issue adidas on for those pictures we've got to rep the brand every chance we get all right let's thank our friends at portico you know brooks bryan brooks and i texted some yesterday you know about uh, baseball and things like that brooks and our friends i really thank a lot of brooks brooks is part of a great group of individuals that are bringing this great residential development to starkwell many starkwell residents already call portico home phase one is completely sold out so whether that's your primary residence or perhaps your place in Starkville, people love to say that we have a place here. We have a place here. Maybe you need to have a place here. A place to store all your uh, tailgating supplies and nothing else. A place that maybe you can retire to. A place you can kind of have your ballgame weekend retreat. You don't have to pay for hotels and that kind of stuff. And listen, to, well, Steve, it's a house. It is. But how great is it to be in part of our community here in Starkville? You can have a two-bedroom, two-bath home and go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Uh, You'll be glad you did. And right now, phase two under construction so you can uh, have some say in what uh, your house looks like. You can pick your lot, pick out the housing plans, and be ready to roll. Give Brooks a call or text today, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. And let me share you this. If you were in the process of uh, building a place or finding a place here in Starville and your real estate agent hasn't mentioned Portico, then you should mention it to them because this is a great place to live. Very, very easy to get to, 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. On the quiet side of campus, so you're close enough for convenience and far enough away to have a little privacy, you'll be glad you did. Go check it out today. McPortico, your next move. All right, I want to close the show with uh, some heartfelt messages to a few groups of people. I want to start with our baseball parents. Number one, as a former baseball parent myself, I understand the demands of travel, the emotional investment, and all the financial investment that is taken to get you to this point. I respect it. I paid it myself. When my son was playing travel team baseball, That, that it monopolized my life. Everything revolved around the baseball schedule. And eventually, I was fortunate enough to, to help coach high school baseball. I was able to coach my kid for many years. And uh, so I understand – what you all have invested, not just financially, but emotionally, in your son's success. I respect it, Uh, and I know it firsthand, and I know how close those groups get, and I'm glad they have each other because it's not always the bed of roses. You know, you look back last year when we, you know, win the NFL championship, it was the best of times. It was, everybody was happy. But let me encourage you this, baseball parents of Mississippi State, let me encourage you to not get on social media, especially after a loss. And you say, you know what, Steve, it's, it's my life, it's my social media account. You're absolutely right. But you're going to see the worst of things. You're going to see the worst side of Mississippi State in those moments. And believe it or not, it's not personal. It feels that way because your investment into this is different. You have a child on the team. So you have some ownership and the success of the program. We do too. Yours is just greater. But you're not gonna see us at our best after a loss. That's not to excuse the behavior by any stretch of the imagination, but let me just tell you, don't let those that, that you know kind of vocal minority paint the rest of our fan base in a negative light. Cause you saw, you know, we had um, you know, Pico Cohn's um, mother went out and and next thing you know, her tweet is all over the Facebook groups and social media. And, you know, 95% of the people that saw that were very responsive and very respectful and really more indicative of the the message we want to send as a fan base. I mean, it truly is. Now, that said, it's important to understand that, um, you know, we were here before you were here and we'll be here after you're gone and we're going to love you and your child the whole time that they're here so we take this baseball thing really seriously and sometimes you might catch us at a weak moment but it doesn't mean that we don't love your child it doesn't mean that we don't support your child you know and i bring up parker sinette he's had a couple of really rough outings and you know what none of that is intentional you know, Hunter Hines has had a couple difficult, difficult weekends because he has everybody's attention now, right? He was kind of like that snake hiding in the reeds. It's like, okay, when I get through with Logan Tanner, okay, then, I'll, then i I got to worry about Kellum Clark. Well, then there's Hunter Hines in there that can absolutely put you on SportsCenter. But he's had a, a rough couple of weekends, you know. And we know that Hunter Hines is going to be the face of this program at some point. But when he goes over – you know, people are going to comment on it. Doesn't make it right. And that's why I just encourage you to maybe not get on social media or maybe even set up, like, some, get, you know, whatever that is, tweet deck or whatever, and set up the apps where, you know, you can, you know, put people in certain situations. But um, I just think it's important, again, not to excuse the behavior, but I want you to understand that the overwhelming majority of our fan base loves and supports your kids all the time. And I think about, you know, Hunter Hines and Parker Stinnett, who want it so bad. They want to go out there and dominate a game for Mississippi State and for these fans, and sometimes we come up a little bit short. And Hunter Hines' time is coming. But I can't begin to imagine, you know, having – you know, I had a child that played college baseball too. And you know what? They may have a couple hundred people at the games. They'd have some locals and have their friends and, you know, some of their family members – and so it was a really small, tight-knit community, and they were just happy to win a ball game. We weren't playing on the national stage. You know, you go out there and you and you make an error, it's going to make the SEC network. You know, you go out there and you groove a pitch, you give up a home run, it might even make SportsCenter. You know, our situation was much different. And so your child, Your young man, your son, has elevated his game to the point that he plays now on a national stage. And fair or unfair, when you reach this level, you're going to get a certain level of criticism. And again, I'm not excusing the behavior by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just going to, again, encourage you not to paint the entire fan base with the tweets of a few people that get a little bit unhinged that probably need to have, you know, maybe a some kind of parental control on their social media accounts. Um, But I just speak for me and myself, and I think I speak for a lot of other people when I say, you know, we we, we are very grateful that your son chose Mississippi State. And we're grateful that our coaching staff valued your son and his ability and your family enough to invite you to be a part of our family. And so while we're wonderful when we're winning – the majority of us kind of get quiet when we lose, but there are a few people out there that say and do things that are not indicative of who we are as a fan base, and I wish they wouldn't do that. Now, my second message is to those people. What in the world are we doing? And we discussed this last year. Around this same time, I had this same discussion, and I won't mention the parents because I don't want to embarrass the parents. And I don't want none of you to go tweet the kid and talk about how soft they are. I remember this time last year having this same discussion that somebody makes a mistake and we have to go tweet them. Do you think Logan Tanner has forgotten that maybe he didn't get a big hit, a big situation? Do you think Brad Cumbus is unaware that maybe he had a rough a bat or two? He didn't need you to remind him of that. What are we trying to accomplish? That's what I don't understand. And maybe you can DM me and explain it to me. Please do. How in the world does this help anything? It may make you feel better. And one of my favorite things, and I mean this with as much sarcasm as I can muster, and people will, Steve, I'm a real one. No, you're not. You're a fake one. You're not real at all. I'm going to keep it real with you. I'm going to keep it real with you. Either you're a bulldog or you're not. And that's not to say that you don't, you're not right, have a right to voice some complaints and we lose. You absolutely do. But to go involve our players and tweet at them on social media, you're kidding me. You're not a real one. You're fake. And I say to your face in front of your mom, you're fake. We're better than that. We're, we're one of the blue bloods of college baseball. We don't need fans like that. And that's one of the things I've always said is, you know, we all the fans we can muster. We don't need any of those fans, None. So I'm just going to ask you to take the M over S logo out of your Twitter bio. You know, take everything off that identifies you as a Mississippi State fan. Because if that's how you're going to behave, you're embarrassing the rest of us. And it's a shame that many of our other fans feel the need to have to go rush and, and apologize to other people for your behavior. So, and again, I've said many times the best and worst thing about social media is that everybody can use it. Yeah, you know, the difference is, is that most people don't use their names. You know, mine is Steve Robertson. Add Scout Steve R. Steve Robertson. Make it easy for you to find me. But there are times, like I'll sit in the press box and I'll turn to Mike Nemeth and I say, "I just don't know if we can trust this kid anymore." You know what? And I mean that. But discretion is the better part of valor. Yeah, you know, I don't have to go tweet every thought that comes to my mind. And I think that's the important aspect of it. Hey, you want to go vent to your friends? Go do it. Get in your text group, whatever. That's fine. I've got one of those. When I get frustrated, i got friends I talk to too, but I don't go involve our players. They say, well, now we want to – well, we need to go fire – if we get to the end of the year and we don't have the year we expected, do we fire Foxhall and go – guys, get out of here with that. You kidding me? It's like we become such prisoners of the moment – we won an AFL championship last year. Well, Steve, I'm tired of hearing that. Well, you might as well get used to hearing it because that's never going away. We won an NFL championship in 2021 with the same coaching staff. They didn't forget how to coach. We just had some adversity this year. Hey, does GoTro need to get some guys right? Absolutely does. Baseball's a game of adjustments. In season, in weekend, end game, in a career. You're always tweaking and adjusting. Jake knows. He doesn't need me or you to remind him of that. he He's well aware of his job. And he's just as knowledgeable, if not more so today, than he was this time last year when we were getting ready to go win an AFL championship. And I remember when we lost back in 19, standing in that locker room, watching Elijah Magnum he cry his eyes out. And I mentioned Jay Gautreaux, I said, hey, if we come back next year, we will have done something we've never done before. He goes, what's that? I said, we'll have gone three consecutive times. He said, we'll be here. We'll be here. You go talk to the players, current, former, everything else, they'll tell you. Gotro has made a difference with them. Hey, are we pressing, trying to do a little bit too much? Yeah. Yeah, we are. And and, and the fact that we're still doing it almost two months into the season is concerning to me. You know, we got to settle in. You know, and there are a lot of people that are so worried about the draft, you know, maybe they need to sit. Maybe we just remove all the pressure from the draft completely from their minds and just let them sit for a couple of games. Maybe that's what we need to do. But I remember, you know, last year in the offseason, everybody's panicking. Are we going to lose Fox Hall? Are we going to lose Goat? And Goatro has turned down other jobs. It's not like he hadn't had an opportunity to leave. He stays here because, number one, he believes in what we're doing. And not to mention, too, it enhances his career that probably puts him in a situation to get a power five job rather than have to go to G5 route. We had to battle Texas A&M last year to keep Jake. People forget these things. But all of a sudden, we have a bad weekend. It's like, you know, we got there and put 20 runs up against Georgia. We're like, okay, all right, all right. We're battling inconsistency. But don't go out there and tweet at our players and coaches. Come on. You got to be above that. What does that accomplish? And, again, you're not keeping it real. You're just showing how fake you are. Fake, fake, fake. I'm true maroon. I think most of y'all are. A handful of y'all aren't. You like us when we win. It's like, well, Steve, you know, I'm a big Mississippi State fan. Are you? Well, how is that helpful to the program? You go out there and tweet at our players. Give me a break. Final message I got is to our players. First thing I'm going to take you know, thanks for sharing the path with us for a little while. And for those of you that were on last year's team, thanks for uh, helping us win an AFL championship. And for some of you, you know, you've been part of the, the ride now for a few years and uh, taken us to Omaha a couple times. In some cases, I guess three. You know, your families have uh, you know, really contributed a lot to your success. And, and now you're a part of our family, too. But what I'm going to encourage you to do is shut all this other stuff down. So all the talk about last year's NAFL championship, you know, that's, that's over and done with. It's a different team, and we've talked about that before. You know, it's a different team, a different year, and all that's true. But it doesn't matter what we say, it's what you feel. And so you will never at this point live up to what you did last year. You barn barring some late magical run where we get hot and kind of just find our way through, you know, I, I wouldn't want to play you guys in the postseason because I think once you get there, you'll you'll have some things figured out. But you can't go back to last year. TA's not coming. Rowdy's not coming. Bednar's not coming. c not coming. Houston Hardy's not coming. These guys are gone. It's up to you now. It's you and your legacy. And it's our collective program. We can't go out there with you as much as we'd want to. Most of us weren't good enough to play. Some of us just never had the skill. And so a lot of times we rest our own insecurities on your backs and say, I can't believe he did that, even knowing full well we couldn't do as good as you've done. But the reality of it is, is you chose to come to Mississippi State and embrace expectations that a lot of other players around the country did not. It would have been much easier to go to a Memphis or a Southern Miss, or a UAB. where well, there really are no expectations. And I don't mean that in a negative way towards those programs. They've all had very good years at times, and they all have very good coaches. But the expectations are not the same. You go to Southern Miss, and you hope to go to a regional. That's your hope. You hope to get to a regional. And then that year is considered a Success. In Mississippi State, you get to a regional, and that is just part of the schedule. That's what we expect. We don't ever have to, you know, fear. It's like, oh, well, we're not going to make a regional. We feel like those days are behind us. We feel like we've graduated to the point that, you know, we're chasing Omaha every year. You know, we've been in supers, what, every year since 16? 16, 17, 18, 19, 21? We'd love to get back. Even if you don't get us to Omaha, it's like, you know, we expect to be contending for that every year. And so you made the decision to come here knowing full well those were the expectations. And so, again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we need to do what's expected of us. We don't need to come up short and say, well, I did my best because I'm going to ask you this, did you really? You get picked, you were hand-picked to come to Mississippi State. Because our coaches and everybody involved in scouting you said, hey, this guy can live up to the expectations and meet the demands of what it takes to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. You know, and and you had some special guys around you last year, but I don't think at this point last year that we even realized how special those guys were. They had some special moments down the stretch that made them very special. And so you had that opportunity as well. To so not only meet expectations, but to have some special moments down the stretch. And you know what? This may be your last year at Mississippi State. So how do you want to go out? Do you want to go out and say, hey, this, this, guy, this guy's won the national championship in 2021 and then kind of tanked in 2022? Is that – I don't – you know, we'll never get over being grateful for 2021. That'll never change. That is a forever moment for us. But we didn't build a team for a year. We built a program for a lifetime. And so the expectations are for us to play better baseball than we're playing. You don't need me to remind you of that. You know we're not playing up to our potential. And that's the thing, too, is if we were playing up to our potential and then we weren't quite good enough to get there, we could kind of accept that. But you have raised the standard. And so now we expect you to match that same standard. Fair or unfair, that is how we feel. Now, the chances, again, of us hosting are pretty slim. You know, we, we, that ship has sailed. I think most people are going, you know, that's you know sure, mathematically, we could make it happen, but it's just not a realistic goal anymore. So now our hope is, is that you will, again, make Hoover and then get in a regional somewhere, and then we'll see. Because it all kind of resets then. Now it's a new season. And by that time, I think we'll have found our identity. I think maybe we, every week we kind of find out a little bit something else. People forget – You know, this time last year, we were still kind of playing fruit basket turnover at second base and left field. We forget those things. You know, we'll get some things settled as we get into postseason. We just hope there is a postseason. And we love you. We do. We get frustrated with you sometimes, you know, when you swing at a ball in the dirt and you get fooled or you make an error. We do. But we we get over it. We recover. And again, some of our, our fans get out there and a little bit too hard on you on Twitter, and then the moment fades and they forget to go delete the tweet, and they shouldn't have made it in the first place. So let me apologize on their behalf because you can't differentiate between me and those people because all you see is a Twitter handle, right? All you know is you see that M over S out there, and it's supposed to be somebody that loves and supports you all the time being critical of you. So I'm going to ask you to give them a little bit of grace because their frustration comes from a good place, it's because they have this love affair with Mississippi State Baseball, and they expect the best from Mississippi State Baseball. And even though it's in, sometimes it's delivered to you personally, it's not intended personally. That's just somebody, that same person that's, frust- that's frustrated with you today will be cheering for you tomorrow. And so I'm not going to defend their behavior. And as you've heard me say on the show, I, we don't need fans like that. We don't. We absolutely don't. But I'm going to ask you to block all that stuff out. And here's something else, and this may be a little bit controversial. I'm asking to ask you to block out what your parents say, too. I'm asking you to block out what all your former teammates, all your high school teammates, all your travel team, all your summer league. Block all that stuff out, too. And all those friends that you have, you know, in the Cotton District and in class, I want you to block all that stuff out, too. And take it all with a grain of salt. Because what matters most right now is what you guys think and believe about yourselves. This is what matters most. This is time for us to circle the wagons. And then all this peripheral stuff will kind of all take care of itself. Because if you spend too much time trying to do what, you know, you know John Q. Bulldog on Twitter has to say, or what mom and dad have to say, even as well-intended as it may be, or what, you know, your friend in, in Chemistry 101 has to say, you know, All of that is going to divert us from our primary focus, and that is to go out there and make something special this season. This past weekend was awful, and it was probably more awful for you than anybody. I'm not lost in that discussion. I get it. It means more good, bad, or indifferent to you than it does anybody else because it's you. It's your name on social media. It's your name on the SEC network. It's your name in the box score. You know, many of our fans, when you guys have a bad ball game, they can just turn the TV off and go cut the grass or go fishing or whatever. You got to go out there and finish the game out. I can't begin to imagine how miserable it was on Sunday. It's a 13-3 ball game. We're just trying to get the game over and, you know, get it behind us. I can't begin to imagine how difficult that was. But it's just one weekend and it's just one game. And today can be a different point for us. We can turn things around. But I'm going to ask you is you block all the other stuff out. All, and that's even even the other people too, like, hey, you know, love you, and that's all sweet. But let's turn our attention to the M over S. And you know, pretty soon you're going to be done with class two. That's all you're going to have is the M over S. And you're going to have to live with how this season ends the rest of your life. Fair or unfair? You only get a short time in life to play baseball. And that's one of the things, too. You'll you'll talk to your guys. You talk to Jake Mangum. You talk to Tanner Allen. You talk to those guys, and they'll tell you. It's not the same in minor league. You don't have that same esprit de corps. You know, all the guys aren't just all hanging out. You spend a lot of time in hotel rooms on your phone, texting with your buddies and that sort of stuff. It's just a different deal. It's a business. You don't know that yet. But the memories that you make over the course of the next two months are going to last you a lifetime. And so let's think about the legacy that we're going to leave at Mississippi State because, you know, we could say, you know what, hey, you won an NFL championship, but how great would it be to so, say, you know what, the year after they won an NFL championship, they had all this adversity, and they didn't quit. And they still found a way to get to the postseason. And they still found a way to make Mississippi State proud. That's going to do it for today. If you guys are looking for books, you can find it at dogpilebook.com. We have some additional stock. Uh, we have uh, been able to kind of recirculate some things, and so you can get – we had a, sold a bunch of books this weekend at the Lodge. matter of fact, I'm leaving here, headed to Newton, Mississippi, with the Alumni Association. I'll be at the Mexican restaurant tonight. Friday I'll be at the FCA banquet, and then uh, I guess it's Saturday I'm at uh, Campus Bookmark. Uh, but, yeah, you go to dogpile the book, you can still get personalized and signed copies. You can get Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains there. If you're looking uh, for Blooms of Oleander, you can find it at Amazon barnesandnoble.com, books a million. And everywhere else you find great books, your local bookstore can get it for you. So uh, be sure and check that out. Stark Villains gear, always available at starkvillains.com. Uh, all right, I'll be back on Wednesday. Hopefully we'll be talking about a, uh, a baseball victory over UAB. I didn't even preview the game today because I thought it was more important to address these other things. But, uh, you know, we'll have a break in programming today to kind of handle this. But um, until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.